The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to the NFC East Mixtape, the greatest crossover event in the history of mankind, a podcast presented to you by four special partners, all from SB Nation, Blogging the Boys, Bleeding Green Nation, Hogs Haven, and Big Blue View. I am RJ Ochoa from BTB. He is Brandon Lee Gotten from BGN. BLG, how goes it? Happy NFC East Mixtape Volume 42. Here we are. That's actually my favorite number, or one of my numbers. You ever have a number that follows you around in life, RJ? A number you see all the time. 42 is one of those for me. It's my basketball number in high school. It's popped up in a lot of other places. Oh, what a gross number to be on a basketball jersey. Wow. Well, number one, it was given to me, so I didn't pick it. (laughs) And number two... You're really really tall, actually, so this actually works out, I think, ultimately. Well, it was also like a really good number for our school, because like one of the best players in our school ever wore number 42. Um, So it worked out. Uh, I just want to give a shout out at the top of the show to Rafael Nadal, the greatest player in Uh, tennis history. Instagram story. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. big Rafa fan. Um, No one really cares, probably, maybe in this audience. Maybe some people care. Um, But here we are ahead of the Super Bowl where none of the NFC's teams are playing. Uh, a reminder to everybody listening to subscribe to your preferred podcast network if you're a Cowboys fan, Blog of the Boys, Eagles, Bleeding Green Nation, Washington, Hogs Haven. Well, by the way, we'll find out Washington. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. And of course, if you're a New York Giants fan, Big Blue View, leave a rating, write a review. Go somewhere else. Go to a team that you don't love, but leave a rating, write a review. You can say whatever you want as long as you give them a five-star rating. We promise to read every single one that we get. BLG, before we get going, I have a review to read you from the blog and the boys podcast network this comes to us from let it fly 35 five star rating and the title is nfc east mixtape i debated not reading it to you um well you'll find out why uh it says finally gained the courage to watch some all 22 tape against san francisco this was the first time in all of Dak's career that he's looked this rattled he's looked like the moment was too big for him i have never seen a quarterback who i always thought had the leadership ability and intangibles look like a deer in headlights the table is set for him to have an mvp season next year and i hope he redeems himself i hope he doesn't so <laughs> that's my take on it and uh, i agree with the review i guess that he did look rattled uh not a great ending of the season for the dallas cowboys not a great one for uh the philadelphia eagles washington football team but this is the time of year where hope springs eternal BLG, especially if you get a reset, a cultural reset, which is what is happening with the New York. Maybe we call them football giants once again. Joining us from SB Nation's Big Blue View, our home for New York Giants content. It is manager, editor-in-chief, 
everything all extraordinaire, Ed Valentine. Welcome back to the NSC's Mixtape. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Be before we get started, I just have to remind you guys that 42 is a nice number for the New York Giants, too. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know that that's a nice number for the giants so. um it is uh that and actually we are recording this um by the way blg we're recording not streaming live uh and this goes up on youtube and last week brandon thought that we were live and he was like looking for comments i still um, think we're live and and we, we weren't <laughs> uh but we're we are recording this on the day that tom brady officially announced his retirement um i am the only person in this room who covers a team that did not beat him in the Super Bowl. In fact, every NFC East team beat Tom Brady at one point or another throughout his career, except for the Dallas Cowboys. Thanks for the reminder, Ed. Great to see you, hey, too. No problem. But, you know, we, we have very little to brag about these days in, in, in Giants country. So we, we, we take what we can get, even if we have to reach back a little bit. So, Ed, uh, we brought you here, uh, number one, to up the, um, because we are on YouTube now, the handsome quality. Um, there was a comment, actually, on the video last week noting how handsome Brandon is, but we needed we needed somebody, you know, particularly handsome, which is why you're here. So we've already established that. But we, uh, we did cover the New York Giants' new general manager. It's difficult to say new when you're talking about the Giants. Like, you got that double new, which is, is, um, is awkward. But the New York Giants have a new head Coach Brian Dable, Ed, are you excited? There you go, Brian Dable, and you know you talk about the 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 bearded bald you know community well represented now for the New York Giants. <laughs> so uh, you know what can I say? But you know, really quickly, I have to tell you, every time I do a YouTube video, I've done some of those with with BBV's Emily Iannacone, and every time I do one alone. The comments are always, where's Emily? <laughs> you know, where's Emily? We don't want to look at you. <laughs> so, so anyway, but, you know, guys, I'm getting tired of this whole, like John Mara said the other day, it's like, we've done way too many of these introductory press conferences. This is the fourth head coach since they let Tom Coughlin go. You know, this is another new general manager. It's another reset for the Giants. Nobody knows if this one will work. The, the, the one thing that I'm optimistic about is the Giants have finally gone outside their comfort zone. They went outside, hired a general manager from the Buffalo Bills who has no connection to the Giants prior to this. They've brought in you know, a head coach who is aligned with the GM. So hopefully they have a functional team at the top now. They hired someone from the state of New York, someone, a team that actually plays and resides in New York, which maybe could be a boost. Um, uh, I, I think my non-cynical take, my actual take on this hire from an Eagles perspective on the outside looking in is like, I can't just say the Giants got it right for a team, as we always point out, that has the worst record in the NFL, tied for the Jets since 2017. But it seems like there are some positive things here when you turn to an organization like the Bills. And again, you touched on it there, Ed, kind of just the process of how this hire went down and how they didn't just, it wasn't just ownership picking a guy. It was them trusting a GM to make that hire. And I think that was really big. Um, so I guess like, What's the level of confidence in these guys coming from the background that they do, both Joe Shane and Dable? 
Well, I think the level of confidence is really in the fact that they're paired together more so than, you know, I can't sit here and bang the table and say Joe Shane was a great hire or Brian Dable was a great hire. But as a team, you know, as a pair, what I can say is that I think the Giants, for a change, did this the right way. When they hired Dave Gettleman, they admitted, John Mara has admitted that that they didn't do a wide enough search. They they basically met the Rooney Rule requirements and gave the job to Dave Gettleman because Dave said, yeah, Eli Manning can still play quarterback. I can take the job with Eli Manning at quarterback. That's no problem. You know, I can do that. And uh, when they hired Joe Judge, Joe Judge knocked their socks off in the interview process. But they have since admitted that they didn't really do any more research after they talked to Judge. They just, they were wowed. Matt Rule said no. And they're like, oh, we'll just hire Joe Judge because he just killed us in the interview. And and that was a mistake. So my my level of confidence is only, you know, has only grown in, in this instance because I thought the process was right and where they landed was on two guys who have worked together before and have a relationship and, and should have a shared vision of how they want this to go. And um I'll be honest. I think this is the right step for the Giants. I mean, just from an uh, from a literal standpoint, you're right. Like the the jury's still out on Shane and Dable. We don't know who they'll be, how they'll be, but they went about it the right way. This is something BLG and I talked about last week. I think you know. I know Kevin Abrams going to stay on, but that would have that would have smelled like more of the same, which I think is 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 what the greatest fear was for every Giants fan was that this this organization was just going to kind of run things back the way it's been for so long. Um, John Mara spoke, and, and, and Ed does such a great job covering all these things at BigLeview.com. Everybody go check those out if you want to keep your tabs on the Giants. But uh, when he spoke a few weeks ago, Ed, he talked about how he'd never been more embarrassed um, as far as his time with the Giants. Do you feel like the organization – you mentioned the number of head coaches, and obviously they're tied for the fewest wins in the NFL since 2017. Did, did they hit rock bottom? Like, like, did they did they finally have that moment that that ultimately led to at, at least this process? And the, the results will speak for themselves. But but we are at least going down a different path for the Giants than we have in a very long time. Well, did you see those back to back quarterback sneaks, RJ? Did you see those? <laughs> I mean, rock bottom can I, be defined in different ways, to be clear. I, but, I, yeah. I think I I think that's about as as rock bottom as it gets unless you're Joe Pizarchik and Larry Zonka and, and, and Herm Edwards, you know, <laughs> that's about as rock bottom as you can get when basically your, your head coach has thrown up his hands basically and said, I can't coach these guys. I can't do anything. These, you know, I can't do anything. The most we can hope for is to, is to get a yard and punt, <laughs> you know? So I, to me, that's, that's rock bottom, at least to this point. But it's like John Maris also said the other day, he said, every time I thought we had hit rock bottom, it got worse. So I don't know if this is going to get worse before it gets better. You know, four four wins is, uh, 
four wins in the NFL shouldn't be hard to come by. <laughs> to be honest, it, it really shouldn't be hard to come by. But I I have no idea what this roster is going to look like. You know, come come September, um, I have no idea. Both you know Joe Shane and and Brian Dable have have not said that a complete teardown is necessary. But I think we all know that a complete teardown is coming because that's what happens when you when you get a, a complete change at the top in decision makers and coaching staff and all of that. Over the next two years, a complete teardown is coming. I remember the Bills um, when um, like in their early iteration of the Sean McDermott era and everything there and Brian Gain. Um, they they had like a record amount of free agent signings or something like that. They had like a ton. They brought in a ton of different people. So I totally think that is the case. They're gonna remake the roster in their image that they have set out for that team. Um, <clears throat> but none bigger of a question mark, I would say, or at least in terms of importance, than Daniel Jones. Of course, we have to talk about him. And I think RJ and I both have said at times here on the NFC East mixtape that while we're not like in on daniel jones necessarily we we don't think he's a lost cost we don't think he's totally hopeless like you know like we did at one point or mental Drubisky or dwayne haskins dwayne haskins is really the the, the contrast <laughs> that i like to bring up I was dwayne a, beat, never... beat the eagles just for what it's worth so we're all yeah honest. and and was terrible yeah you could put josh rosen in there too josh rosen yeah i like there's something but, there with daniel jones that you're like okay i can see maybe something so there there is there is something there something. The problem is we don't know if it's if it's is it Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton? You know, is that the ceiling or is it better than that? And, and we don't know. You know, Mark Schofield, who both of you guys know, Mark Schofield and I have talked about this. And the the general narrative is after three years. We don't really know what Daniel Jones is because there's been so much dysfunction and and so much change with different head coaches, different coordinators, different offensive line coaches, so many injuries. But I think, and Mark thinks in a way that maybe we do know a little bit about what Daniel Jones is. And I think that what Daniel Jones is, is a better quarterback than his statistics have shown. But, you know, because of the circumstances around him, but not a top tier guy. He's somewhere in that middle level that you can that you can survive with. Maybe he's Ryan Tannehill. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think the the book on on Daniel Jones will be if he does move on from the Giants eventually, it will be all about the the change he had early on in his career, the number of head coaches and offensive schemes and things like that. Um, and obviously, Brian Dable had had an enormous amount of success with Josh Allen. Did what really nobody thought he could do. We're, we're you know beginning draft time. I know you both remember what what the draft takes were on Josh Allen. Uh, you know now four years ago, and obviously Brian Dable a big reason for Josh Allen's success. Not to take anything away from Allen individually, but a big decision looming for the Giants this offseason as it pertains to, to Daniel Jones. I don't know if this is where you were going, BLG, but yeah, new leadership. Obviously, new general manager, new head coach. Do you think the Giants will pick up Daniel Jones's fifth year option? Ed had to take a sip of water for the podcast audience. It's that big of a question, <laughs> just, just to be clear. I asked do the hard-hitting I, ones. 
Do I think he? No, I do not. I do not think that uh, that they will pick up his fifth year mm. option. I think that this is really a one year trial for Daniel Jones for Brian Dable. I think that the one year the the fifth year option I think is twenty one point three million something like that. And I don't think you do that if you're not sure because you don't want to make a second year commitment to him yet. You could still use the franchise tag in a year. You could, you could still renegotiate his contract if he has a really good year, but, but I don't think you want to make that commitment yet. I think that this year is Brian Dable finds out what he thinks Daniel Jones ceiling is. We see if maybe they can put something functional around him which considering their salary cap situation, you know, who knows because they've, they're $20 million over the proposed cap. So you know, free agency for the giants is going to be pretty much of a myth this time around, but I wouldn't pick up that option yet. I, I, because I think the giants could very well be back in the quarterback market in a year. Is there anything about the Dable hire? And I guess touch on Shane as well, that, is concerning because so I think we know we pointed out some of the positives here, some of the things that look, uh, you know, to expire, inspire confidence, excitement in Giants' hands. Is there anything that Giants' hands have here that are, they're kind of like, I don't know about that? Well, I think the only thing is the fact that that you have a guy that's coached only on basically only on one side of the ball, a guy that's never, you know, never been a head coach before. So, so there's some unknown. And, you know, of course, we went through that with with Joe Judge. We went through that with with Ben McAdoo. It, you know, it works sometimes. It doesn't work at other times. John Mara said it's the hardest thing and it's the hardest thing to do is to sit there in the interview process and determine whether or not you think these guys that have never been head coaches before can can run an entire roster, can lead an organization. So the only thing I can say right now is 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 it's an unknown and we'll find out, but but it's not like the Giants can can go backwards a whole lot farther. Uh, I think that's well said, Ed. Um, Ed Valentine drives an F-150, just like Brian Dable, so everybody is aware in case you see him um, <laughs> patrolling the streets of, of New Jersey. Uh, make sure everybody to check out BigBlueView.com. It is great. That's what's awesome about SB Nation is all of our networks to – you know, we all do this, all three of us, but to keep tabs on everybody else, reading each other's sites and stuff. And Ed, I, I will say, does a better job than me, and I'll say a better job than Brandon at um, at relaying information that the coaches and people like general managers, um, related people, does a great job. You may be the best transcriptionist. Is that a word? Transcriptionist that I know, Ed. So, um, kudos to you. Oh, that's that's not a title that I really wanted, RJ. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I keep trying. I keep trying to find a service that'll do those, but. <laughs> But what I keep learning is it's harder when you actually run your stuff through one of those than it is to do it yourself. You know, we can send robots to Mars, but we can't get a, a great transcription service. It's a, a real, it's a plight uh, of today's society. Uh, Ed Valentine, thanks for kind of breaking down the state of the Giants as of late. We'll catch up soon uh, here on the Mixtape. Appreciate it, man. Uh, be well. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. 
Uh, there goes Ed Valentine, BLG and I doing all this on the fly. Look at us, Brandon. I mean, we're, we're handling all this stuff, juggling all these things in the air. I haven't even told you. I didn't tell Ed. I got my dog on the couch next to me. I got the baby in the background. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of nailing this, if I'm being honest with you. Congrats. Okay. Uh, all right, Mr. Mister 42. Uh, we have talked uh, about the New York Giants. Something that we need to say, I think kind of um, uh, a disclaimer for today's episode. So we're recording this on Tuesday, obviously, as we do every single week. This is going out on Wednesday. It's going out on Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern on all four podcast networks and on YouTube. And obviously, we're recording this, Brandon, before we know the new name for the Washington football team franchise. Brian Stabby from Hogs Haven. We have not guaranteed uh, an appearance from him next week, but we can effectively guarantee it. Uh, Stabby will be with us next week to break down the new team name. So we will not have any reaction to that now. Do you believe it's going to be Commanders when it comes out 24 hours from now for us, Brandon? Did you see the Joe Theismann thing about that? I did not. So give okay. us give us the news. This is this is literally the point of the mixtape. Do your job. Come on. So this is on Hogshaven, and Joe Theismann was doing this interview where he basically kind of like confirmed or at least talked like definitively like it was Commanders, but then issued a statement on Twitter or whatever that he didn't actually know and kind of backtracked it. So we'll see. Um, I'm going to choose to believe it's Commanders because after the NFC Championship game on Sunday, I tweeted out, Jimmy G going to be the next Washington Commanders quarterback, and I want to be able to retweet myself when it turns out that the Washington team does acquire him under that name because I will be right once again, as I often mm. am. I really hope it's the leaked logo if it is Commanders so that I can build some content around them putting stars on their logo. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I know you don't like to elevate the Cowboys, but you would have to admit if they have stars on their logo, that is big time, big loser energy. Like that is massive loser energy to copy a, a you know, rival's logo like that. Well, especially in the wake of the bench thing, which you love. Yeah. <laughs> seriously they like they should have been the benches you know what i mean like at this point you know like that's that should have been their new mascot but um wow uh jimmy garoppolo actually let's let's talk about the washington quarterback situation the washington dbds um uh, you sent me something on monday um <laughs> uh, break break this down because this is kind of a hodgepodge episode at this point we ha- we, we we gave everybody the goods with that earlier now we're just kind of riffing and rolling through the rest of the nfc east well, the Giants were the lead, obviously, because you know the other teams haven't exactly done a lot uh, mm-hmm, recently. Mm-hmm. The Giants had the big news, so they deserve the top spot this week. It's not going to happen very often on this show, but so we have to hit it while we can. Um, but yeah, so for the Monday afternoon quarterback, not the Monday morning quarterback that Albert Breer does for Sports Illustrated, the MAQB. The, the lead focus of that article was about how Washington is going to be serious players. The exact quote is preparing to take a big swing at a quarterback this offseason, which they obviously should do and any team should do. You don't have a quarterback, including the Eagles. And uh, we'll, I mean, we'll the Eagles there. have a fallback quarterback, but, you know, and they don't have the franchise guy. Anyway, not the point. Um, really just a hilarious article because one of the main things that Albert Breer talked about was about how Washington is like a desirable place for like people to live. You can live in the capital um, with all due respect to DC, which I don't even hate. I said this to you privately, RJ, and I maintain that I've seen a lot of people who have been to DC and everything. (laughs) 
as you make the card on the screen for the <laughs> the audio listeners, uh, Washington is a desirable place to live. Uh, quote, uh, like it's not really a destination spot, I think, for an NFL superstar. In part two, because as my good friend and co-host Jimmy Kemsky pointed out, the training facility is far away. And then the actual headquarters is further away from that in a different direction. And then the stadium, like it's not even this one central thing. So that's not even a good point. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously Washington is going to pursue a top quarterback, but how are they going to land one? To me, it's going to be Jimmy G. I think, look, I, I, I plugged, obviously, you know, our SB Nation sites. And there's a reason that I... I choose personally to consume Eagles news with Big Nation and Giants news with Big Blue View and Washington news with Hogs Haven. And I know that they, you know, talked about the story at Hogs Haven, but I mean, it's because like, and look, to be very clear, MMQB, SI, awesome, Albert Breer, awesome. But this take is so lame. Like this, this take is up there with the, well, you know, free agent X is probably going to choose the Cowboys over the Niners because there's no state income tax in text. It's like, it's like, it's like, this is so meaningless. There's a target everywhere. There's a Chick-fil-A everywhere. Like there's lifestyle everywhere. Like everywhere has a, a, a you know, a metropolitan, like, you know, hotspot area with bars and, you know, brunch spots and things like that. Like, this is so silly to me. I mean, like, respect on you adding some legitimate context on why it's not a great place to live in the training facility. But, like, what what makes it better than, I don't know, Charlotte or Nashville? I mean, like, those aren't even big places. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'll do respect to, to Nashville. But, you know, like, what makes it better than Cincinnati? Right? You know, like, honestly, like, it's what, what true the history associated with it. You can go to the, the Smithsonian. Like, that's it. Like, that's the one thing. I mean, I, I don't understand this take. Um like, I don't understand how any quarterback would choose this organization, honestly. I mean, there's just like 0% chance that if they got Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or whoever, like that would even be brought up in a press conference. Like, yeah, like, why did you want to come here, uh, Russ or Deshaun or Jimmy even? I mean, really, you know, the culture. It's really about, you know, I love the White House. I just had to see it in person. Like, no, what are we talking about? Um, Which is, but, by the uh, way, see- on a street named after uh, a different state where division rival plays. No big deal. There you go. Pennsylvania um for those who didn't know um yeah I, I think Jimmy G, like maybe. so is so clearly gonna be the guy and because you can sell it you can sell it as I said to you not like that I actually think it's a good move but you have to do something where you can at least like like you've said before they're gonna bring in Andy Dalton I just don't think that's a move you can reasonably sell maybe they would have to do that if they just really struck out on everything but like that's not a move you can sell you can say wow, we got the guy who's been to two NFC championship games in the last three years. Like that's stupid, but you could say that. And for a team that hasn't been to the NFC championship game, even longer than the Cowboys, 1991, the longest NFC uh, championship drought time tied with the, uh, the lions, I guess, of course, like that's, that's something it's not nothing, but it's obviously not actually a good move. That's really going to help them at all. It's better than probably Heineke. Who would you rather have Taylor Heineke or Jimmy G? Taylor Heineke at this point, like, you know, like you're, I mean, just, just because of the level of investment, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, we, you know, like, well, let's Jimmy say G is not G- a factor just no, like, but like one to one, Jimmy, Jimmy G has a clear and obvious ceiling in Kyle Shanahan's offense, you, you know? So like, what is he going to be to you? 
And so, I mean, at, at this point, like I, I would, I, I'm not like, I don't feel great about Taylor Heineke, but I at least know the details there. I know the association there. I do agree with you. Like this is, this is something you can sell proposition. Um, in that sense, to me, it he's Nick Foles. That's who he is to the Jaguars. You know, he, he's out like, oh, we got a Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl MVP. Like, you know, we're taking this seriously. Like, that's exactly who he is. He's, um, I, I, in a different way, he's like what Brian Hoyer has been for teams like really stuck at like the Colts when Andrew Luck retired. It's like, oh, he's a guy he learned. He learned behind Brady. Like, he's super awesome. Like, he, like, dude, this is this is so bad. Like this, this is I agree with you. I think this is more likely than the Andy Dalton thing at this point in time. They will probably trade for him, which is crazy when you think about it, um, because at this point, like Sanford, somebody's going to be that dumb to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. And man, I mean, just let dude Terry McLaurin deserves so much better. Like, don't do this, to Terry, please. You know, is Terry McLaurin the new Larry Fitzgerald? Just like destined to be with this. I mean, obviously, Larry had Kurt Warner later on, but maybe Terry like, will get that later on. I mean, maybe, maybe, um, or AJ Green kind of. Hmm. AJ Green's a good example, but had he had Andy Dalton. How much remember does it when? Stink? By the way, well, that AJ Green leaves and the, the Bengals go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I actually, uh, Cincy Jungle, our uh, our Bengals site for those underwear, um, did a great write up that was like a, a curation of tweets from like Bengals legends, like celebrating them going to the Super Bowl. And AJ's was. Did you see what AJ wrote on Instagram? I did. He's, he like reactivated his account yeah, he, just so he, he like, could be like reactivated his account. Like yeah. I do feel for the only one I don't like really hurt for is Gio Bernard because he got to at least have some success this year. But still, sure. like all these dudes, you know, are missing out. Like AJ Green, Andy Dalton, Gio Bernard. Like think about all those those players: Jeremy Hill, Mohamed Sanu, um, Tyler Eifert. Um, you know, and like that's just recent memory. But like Carson Palmer. Uh, I, it remains the dumbest thing that he's Pat in the Man, Cardinals ring Jones. of honor. Uh, Chad Ochocinco, TJ Hushmanzada, the late Anthony Henry. Um, I mean, just there's an enormous amount of Bengals who have come in and gone that, you know, uh, never got to you know, have anything close to this. But um, so are they the official team of the NFC's mixtape in the Super Bowl? We're definitely rooting for the Bengals, right? Oh, I mean, how could you be rooting for the Rams? Like, what about Sean McVay is like, I love that. I love to stand this absolute coward who holds his team back. No, that's that's terrible to me. I, I'm going to be devastated if the Rams win the Super Bowl because devastated. Of all the, well, because of all the praise he'll get specifically, I'll be happy for Matthew Stafford. I mean, I don't really care. Like, good for him. I'm not like, oh wow, I'm so happy Matthew Stafford finally won. I don't really care, but like, good for him. But the Bengals. I like to see that you're finally hopping on the correct bandwagon. For I'm once. just, I'm not a bandwagon fan like you are, like floating from Herbert. <laughs> says, to says the guy who roots for the Cowboys. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've rooted for the Cowboys my whole life. Like anyone who uh, accuses the Cowboys of being a bandwagon fan at this point. Who's your favorite uh, soccer team? Look, but here's the thing the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl or even appeared in an NFC championship game in over a quarter century. What am I bandwagoning here? Like, there's, there's no like it's bandwagon. Just, it's a this bad is, bandwagon decision. It's, um, it's, a few, um, this is a weird mixtape episode. Like, we're fully acknowledging this, but a few Super Bowl related things, and then we'll get to the Cowboys and the Eagles. First of all, there was a lot of like Mahomes fatigue, obviously, among like general football fans. That would happen with McVay. Like, the, the NFL machine would ensure that we would have heavy Sean McVay fatigue if the Rams wound up winning it. So I'm totally with you in that sense. We already do. I think it's already there. And like, Oh, I know. But I mean, it it hits the nth degree. If he wins the freaking Super Bowl is my point. I agree. It's just my whole thing with all of that was this. It all goes back to 2017 
when obviously Doug Peterson should have won the award uh, instead of him. But it wasn't even just that. By the way, like the he Rams... lost to, to Dan Quinn in the playoffs. John yes, he did. And the Rams won like a billion awards that year in terms of like offensive player, like all the awards. Basically. Yeah, like that it was, was just... Todd Gurley's year. In it. Yeah, for sure. Well, it was very transparently the NFL's effort to legitimate, legitimate uh football being back in L.A. It's like, see, look. Like, look, the team's doing good. All these awards, like, the football's alive. And, like, I just, I hate that. It's so forced. It was clearly, like, this big forced effort by the NFL. Put my conspiracy cap on. But Oh, dude, um, it's, st- anyway. it's still that way. Like, it, it's still yeah. that, like, look at the home crowd. Like, I mean, I love NFL Network, but, like, because of their headquarters now, like, it's very clearly, like, a, a thing. You know what I mean? That, that It's happens. also not football culture. Like, when you, you know, like, they they ever show people at a Knicks game, you know, you see, like, Adam Sandler and, obviously, Spike Lee and whoever, like, all but these stars, like, a Knicks game. But that makes sense because, like, it's New York and it's kind of basketball and stars. These famous people are, like, yeah, sitting. Yeah, you got, like, the right- Bronx and stuff for sure. Yeah, I mean. When they're sitting right there, courtside, like you can see them during the game, even when they're not necessarily like, you know, the camera's focused in on them. Like there's something to that that makes sense. But like when you see Cedric the Entertainer and uh, Leo, like at the NFC Championship game, and they're, you know, they're in like, like that's that's not special or cool to me. Like it's just, it's, it's also not football culture. Like football, like a basketball game, like it seems like celebs, you go, you kind of hang out, you're chill. It's like there's a lifestyle thing to it. Whereas football, it's just different to me. Like football, like you're invested in the game. You're watching the game. You're not just there to like hang out and have a party. Um, so I just, anyway, this is totally it off is, topic, but it I is going it. to be so annoying. Cause like, I think it's cool that the bucks won the Super Bowl in their home stadium. I think that it's cool. They were the first team to ever do that. I was obviously rooting for the Vikings to do that. Um, four years ago. I like, I, I always wanted to see that. Like, and so it is cool that we got to see that. And now maybe we, we get to see it twice, but, like the NFL will overkill that the Rams won the NFC championship game in their building and then won the Super Bowl in their building. And that will get exhausting. A weird, this isn't a conspiracy theory, but I don't know if you know this. I mentioned this on the Sunday late night wrap up on the Espionation NFL show. Did you, do you remember that this year's Super Bowl was supposed to be in Tampa and that last year's was supposed to be in LA and yeah. it was construction at SoFi that delayed everything. And so if, if not for that delayed construction, Maybe we never have a team that's hosted the Super Bowl because if la- if last year's Super Bowl had been in LA and the Bucks go in it, and then this year's had been in Tampa and then the Rams are in it, we never would have had that. That's crazy when you really think about it. It is crazy to me, and it's also kind of weird that we don't see more teams host the Super Bowl. Like, I feel like more stadiums should get a chance to do it because do not this- do not make an argument for Philadelphia right now. Do not do that. Well, this concept that, that like oh only some teams should oh be able God. to host a home Super Bowl. How's that fair? It's not, like, this it's is not like, teams. It's it's locale. It's geography. It's weather. That's all that it is. Figure it out. It's, Make it work. Well, I mean, they had one in Minnesota where it was freezing the weather, and says snowy Brandon. and cold. They had it in New York where, thankfully, uh, for their sake, they avoided the snowstorm. I think it was like the day before that. But like, it can be done. It's Incidentally, they, they did get an ice storm when it was in Arlington um, and now, yeah, exactly. 11 years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, weather can happen. Every stadium should get a chance to host at least once. I don't think that's insane to say, you know. Well, that's why they're, like, doing, that's why they're doing the draft right. now. The draft is now, like, the, the thing that's moving around yeah. and bouncing around. I mean, so. Draft doesn't um, matter. Being um, in person for it okay. doesn't uh, add a lot. Yeah, like, I, oh, dude, I went to the one at at t and it was not that cool um but the one in philly was good but like it's it doesn't like there isn't a lot of value to be there in person like it's 
like to actually watch the event. Like there's a cool vibe around it and like seeing people, whatever, but like that's not yeah. an actual event. Yeah, well, like the draft is actually, I think, the worst thing to be in person for. Like if, if you need the like information of a television broadcast in anything, it's during the draft. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you need that information for like every single pick or whatever. Um, and all the trades and all the analysis and whatever. So Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. What a weird episode. Okay, so we've talked New York and Washington. Um, the Washington TBDs, like I said, but everybody listening now knows their name in all likelihood. Um, let's go ahead and save the best for last, which means we have to talk about the Eagles next. Um, you mentioned your hatred for Jalen Hurts and your non-belief, your disbelief. You've never believed in Jalen Hurts. You've always counted him out. And you wrote about how the Eagles should not bank on him as QB1 entering 2022. How dare you? How dare you do this? I just get tired with some of the unrealistic <laughs> expectations. Such a, such a worn down sigh. Wow. Because people are like, oh, he's young. He can get better. Okay, sure. But how much better? Is he really going to get as better or as good as some of these quarterbacks that are still playing? And this idea that the, the two of the most common things that are or a couple of the most common things that are said are like, um, the Eagles aren't just a quarterback away. Well, were the Bengals like thought to be super far or like super close? I don't think so. I don't think anyone was saying about that about them. And Joe Burrow playing at an elite level has done wonders for them. And obviously, they added defensive pieces in free agency. But the Eagles can do that too. Like it just it, the the common take for the Eagles seems to be you got to build the defense. You got to use all three picks in the first round on defense, and you got to worry. You don't worry about quarterback. You can figure that out later. Like that's that's not a plan to me. Figuring out quarterback later is not a plan, especially when Tom Brady did just retire and there's a case to be made that if the Eagles have Russell Wilson and the Eagles have their current offensive line, that they have the best offensive line and maybe the best quarterback in the NFC, especially oh if Rodgers isn't back. That's, 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 is that crazy to say? Yes. It's crazy to say that How about Russell. Crazy to say who's better, who's better than Russell Wilson. So right now, Today, okay, so we're because I I wrote about the idea of of the NFC landscape as well. So Brady's out, right? We, we you know we can Brady's out. establish that. We're assuming Rodgers is in the AFC at this point, right? Maybe, but yes. Well, for the purposes of this discussion, we're assuming. Okay, that. sure. I think I don't know how, and I don't I don't feel like great about this, but I think the answer is Matthew Stafford. That's the answer for right now today. I mean, that's that's the best. He, no, like I mean, and again, like I'm not saying that that throne isn't easily dethronable, but that's the answer today. Russell Russell was not good this season. Like the, the, the Russell gave le legitimate life to, to, based on how he played. <laughs> like the, the, he well, was his numbers compared to, and obviously and, you know there was I, a stretch in there I, he came back from injury, but still like he's still basically right where he is. I mean, yes, was this his best year? No, but like is he bad now overall as a player? Where's the evidence to really support that? I don't think he's bad, to be very clear. I think again, in a in a Brady list, Rogers list NFC, I think the top 
f- four quarterbacks in, in our Stafford, Russ, Dak, Kyler, right? Those are the okay. top four. So in, it's in a four NFC. guy then. Yeah, no, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like, he's not the best, though. Like, he, he's not. Could, you could arguably say he's. he could conceivably. He's, but you, you couldn't see a scenario but, at the but, end of the season where he is the best quarterback in the NFC. That's not the question, though. If we're ranking who they are it today, is. he's not. No, if we're ranking who they are today, he's. my point is he's not let Russ cook Russ right now. He could be again, but Stafford could continue to elevate in Sean McVay's offense. The mighty Sean McVay, you know what I mean? So um, that's all I'm saying. But you're right. Like, it, I mean, it certainly legitimizes Philly's offense. And you're right. Like, um, we talked about this on uh, on the 750 on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. But, like, um, I know in your write-up of, uh, of Hurts, you equated him to Ben Simmons. Like, dude, holy crap. I mean, you joke about not hating him, but, man, that is... That is rough. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not an apples to apples comparison. Well, no, I dude, I'm just saying. Like, that's there. you know, that's you. You know, you go out on that limb. This I is, explicitly is, said in there that he is not like a total loser, coward like Ben Simmons, the, which is, is a big the issue NFC now. though. Is the NFC not the Eastern Conference? Like the in like the way we like kind yeah. of think about the. That's what it is right now. It's it's the Eastern Conference. Like you've got all the ballers in the AFC. Like all the quarterbacks. My son is whining in the background, but. Um, like the, the and that's what like I'm I'm gonna be pissed if the Cowboys just run this thing back because this conference is wide open for the taking. Even the the reigning conference champions are weak. Like they are they are coached by a coward. We're like we both feel that way about Sean McVay. So like this conference can't, like who's like okay the Rams are the best team in the conference. Say so you believe that again they are kind of you know cowardly in a lot of senses. The Cardinals paper tiger the seahawks potentially going to be without russell wilson he might even be in the afc so like i'd like to, to steer this into the cowboys now like kind of talk about both teams through this lens well like, i have one more it, question for you on hertz thing before we get to, to dallas oh 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 are you okay, ready for that? it um, what would you okay. be most afraid of as a cowboys fan for the eagles to do at quarterback like what do you think is Aaron the Rogers. move that would be the worst i mean within you know obviously not him because that's i don't think that's going to happen like what what's the move that they could realistically make what would scare you more? The Eagles like sticking with Hertz and building around him or trading for Russ or Deshaun Watson? I don't think it's any of that. I think it's like kind of like because you have to contextualize what your greatest fear is. So like in a weird way, my greatest fear with the Giants has sort of been realized, which is kind of what we talked about with Ed. Like because I don't think they'll be an utter disaster anymore. That's my greatest fear. Like they'll be competent. You know what I'm saying? And so that sucks. You know, like mm-hmm. they might steal a win or something. And that is a difference in a lot of seasons. And so that's my greatest fear. So my greatest fear with the Eagles truly isn't they trade for a great quarterback because I think I don't think that the Russell Wilson led Eagles win the Super Bowl next year. I don't think they can. I mean, there's still other issues there. And I'm not of the mindset like, oh, throw all the picks on the defense. Build the de-. That's not what I'm saying. But there there's a there's a time process to this. And I think that Nick Sirianni, my man, justified believing in his process, so to speak. Um, so my greatest fear would be they get compensation for Jalen Rager somehow, some way like that's a howie move, you know, pull that off. Like get somebody to give you anything for Jalen. Well, I don't Rager. think you have to worry about that. <laughs> okay. But like, hang, hear me out. They get some kind of compensation for Jalen Rager. They sign, I don't know, Odell or, or Allen Robinson. And so now you've got, you've got that, you know, free agent wide receiver to pair with Devonte Smith. Devonte elevates his game in, in the coming year. I mean, obviously Dallas Goddard is a legitimate weapon. That run game is still there. So like now you've got all these pieces. And again, 
even if it's Jalen Hurts, that still sucks because that's mm. that's a team that has a higher floor. So my greatest fear is they raise the floor. I don't think you can shoot for the ceiling yet if you're the Eagles. And that's not me saying, oh, the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl, you don't have a chance. I think this is still a process. And so, again, not, not of the mindset, just throw all these picks on the defensive side of the ball. But that would be my greatest fear is that they are rational and patient with this thing mm. and that they kind of slowly build up like they did, like not to say – like I hate when people do this. They'll be like, just just do what you did in, in 2016, 2017. Go go find this year's Alshon Jeffrey. Like that's but that was kind of it, right? Like that was kind of this like patient process, find what's needed. And then mm-hmm. at some point it, it, it you know, there will be a catalyst and it will all click. That would be my greatest fear. I wouldn't say trading up aggressively for a quarterback was a patient process and a big reason why the Eagles had success because they I mean, went after chased yeah. an elite quarterback. Or at least what they thought was, and and was playing like one at that time. Obviously, didn't age that way. But, but that okay. like, but the the non quarterback the non quarterback moves really worked out well. Like I remember, I think it was a, I think yeah. But what was, was the a, catalyst? The catalyst was the quarterback. But my point yeah, is like my point. But, but, but those personnel moves were so great, like Aguilar and Tory Smith at the time. Like those were so great and needed for the the fabric of that team. And sure. so that that would be like so. I mean, I realize what I'm saying is like my greatest fear would be like they do the perfect thing for them. But like I think that that would go well. Like signing an Allen Rod. Like there's there's always that team that like I know neither of us thought that the Giants would sign Kenny Galladay last year, and not that that worked out or anything. But you know, like this year everybody's gonna ticket you know Allen Robinson or Odell or whoever to this team or that team. The Ravens are gonna be up there. The Colts are probably gonna be up there. I mean, and nobody's gonna have the Eagles. That would be my greatest fear. It's because right now it's Devonte Smith and then just like some kind of cute stuff outside of that so getting another weapon for Jalen or whoever it is to work with and further legitimizing the offense that would suck I wouldn't I wouldn't be that afraid if they traded for Russell Wilson I'd be sad because I really like Russ but I wouldn't be afraid well then that's worth it then if, if we can only get that out of it that you're um, and you have to look at your Russell Wilson jersey that you own with scorn what are you gonna do with a- it it will still be a Seahawks jersey. Like, what? Do yeah, you think you it, have to know. Do you think I own a magic jersey that just like like warps into whatever team? Do you think it turns into an NFC Pro Bowl jersey this week? Like, yeah, but you, you can't know? feel like amazing about it. You can't like look at I that. I totally like, feel oh. amazing about it. I actually mm. saw a tweet. Um, I forget who it was, but somebody said that this year's Bengals, uh, was the most likable team like for the average NFL fan since the 2013 Seahawks. I kind of agree with that. Like Super Bowl They're- teams. It's hard to poke holes. Like, what what about them do you really not like? I, I think you could say Zach Taylor kind of being a fraud or like yeah, not all the way in on him. But I could I could see some people not liking Burroughs like flair and, you know, really? I, I think could, that's tough. I think he's pretty likable. Like, obviously, I'm biased, but I just don't even I mean, see what you could not like. like. Well, there are there are people who don't like the like cockiness or arrogance. Like, so I could see some people like dying on that hill, whatever. But mm. but like well, that 23rd. That 2013 Seahawks, 2012 Seahawks too, those teams were really, really likable. Again, obviously the Seahawks made it to the Super Bowl in 2013. But if, thank you, Bear, who, what other Super Bowl team has been this likable? It's been a while because what? It's usually like the Patriots are in there. Um, the Seahawks went back. Uh, I mean, I, people like the Panthers a lot, but Cam was pretty divisive, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. The Broncos maybe, but. Peyton was on his last legs and that wasn't like super fun to watch. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was hoping you would buy me more time because of the dog. See oh, what happens. I was looking, at, I was looking up at the screen because I was trying to think. Um, okay. RJ's figuring out his dog situation because I guess the male person is coming. I don't know.
but yeah okay rj's uh nodding yes to that the mail the mail um, person just drove by okay let's get to the cowboys and i'll set you up because yep. the, the mail's got to come back they, they drove one way they got to come back so let me set you up Uh oh it will be a travesty if the cowboy like the cowboys are in this lame duck position where it feels like sean payton's coming next year i know bear i know by the way bear is pumped about matt eberflus he's a former cowboys guy so like bringing respect to like the bears at least uh but um i will be so not even upset. I'll be so pissed off with the Cowboys if they just run this back and then they just I will be excited if they hire Sean Payton next year or trade for him, however you want to put that. But like if they just make us waste this time, like that's all that this would be. It would just be wasting a year of our lives, like watching them and emotionally connecting ourselves with them just to do this anyway. And again, like the division is there for the taking. We know that. Like I think you and I would both agree the Cowboys are favorites to win it. Although, granted, no NFC is champion is repeated since 2004, so there's that. But the path. This is the easiest path on paper that they could have come up with. This this you know Mickey Mouse NFC East. This you know very weak relative to the competition NFC as a whole. Like if you cannot do it now, win. Because it's only going to get harder. Like this, this is now. Like I call it a window, whatever. But it has to happen now, or else you're just pissing it all away. Yeah, I mean that's what I was saying a lot throughout the season. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on the Cowboys to capitalize in this spot because everyone was like, "Oh, we have all these three wide receivers. It's great." And then that wasn't going to last. I mean, everyone knew they, it's not going to last. Even better forever. than the Bengals trio. No, like which, which definitely, not. I agree. I mean, and that's not even like a slight to the Cowboys. I'm not, like, I'm not trying to rip them. I just think that's also, I mean, Jamar Chase, first of all, is just on a different level. Like in the Cowboys for like Amari Cooper's best days, I just think Jamar Chase is even higher. Um, and the fact that he's a rookie and might only get better is like crazy. And then T. Higgins, I think, is pretty underrated and came up big in the AFC Championship game. And Tyler Board was awesome before either of those guys got there and has kind of almost forgotten about in some ways, but he's still really, really good. Um, but yeah, so we talked about it after the Cowboys collapsed to the 49ers. Like, there's a lot of changing pieces here in terms of some key players who are going to be in free agency. You know, Dan Quinn is staying. That's good, I think, for Dallas. Although I do think I do absolutely buy that he kind of he might have missed his window because I don't think that defense is going to be as good next year. And I don't know that he's going to definitely going to be getting head coach consideration. Back to Seattle, I think that's the job he wants, and I think he's you, waiting. I, I for heard you say that. Like, <clears throat> on the SB Nation NFL show. Yeah, that's a good point. And maybe, but um, but no guarantee that, you know, again, that he's one of the very best candidates out there because as, as we talked about with Washington, like just, the defense just like probably there's no, Just like, like we talked about last week, sorry not to interrupt, but like I'm trying to beat the mail. There's no guarantee that you're the most enticing option to Sean Payton next year. If 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 yeah, that right. if those dominoes fall that way, there's no like again we said like what if Andy Reid walks away next year? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like you have no or idea. Like, or Bell. I, well, I mean maybe I mean the Patriots roster isn't like enviable. You know what I mean? But like my like but if he if prestige. it's yeah sure. But if it's Patrick Mahomes or anything else, like where's Sean Payton gonna go? You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. stupid. And so like it's such it's such hubris. It, it's such like I don't know, man. I mean I'm and Stephen Jones. Like how do you look at the Rams? And I know, like you and I are rooting they, that they lose, but like I kind of hope that they win to to justify like the proof of concept. Like go all in, call it going all in, call whatever. Yeah. Like trade, be creative, do something. Like and it's not like you don't have to pull off the big massive Matthew Stafford trade. Trade for the aging veteran in the middle of the season. I think they're too scarred by you know like Roy Williams and stuff in the past. Like these moves that had you know the glitz and glamour, and they were like, well, this actually doesn't work out, and we need to build only through the draft. And I think there's some merit to like taking a less 
in a way that you shouldn't always just chase the big name at all costs. But it's it's kind of like a balancing act. Like you have to throw it in there. You can't just be this team that builds through the draft. Like that was a big issue with the Packers for a long time. I'm not the only issue, but like it's just dumb to be like, we can only do one thing. There's only one way to build a team and it's through the draft. Like the Eagles won a Super Bowl, as you were kind of touching on earlier, because they basically crushed like a billion free agent signings and they had the quarterback too. Um, but one of those quarterbacks that they, the quarterback they ultimately won with was a free agent signing that they brought back in Nick Foles. Um, and that's not a sustainable way to build a team over time. You can't just, you know, hit on your free agent signings when your deals every year, but you know, it's, it's part of something that you can do. And yeah, the Rams are obviously being aggressive and that's working for them right now. That doesn't mean every team is in the position to do that or every team should do that all the time, but there's a time and place to do it. And when you're in the window that the Cowboys are in, they absolutely should be a little bit more aggressive. And when you kind of point it out like that, like what is the move they made? That was an aggressive move. Like what can you point to and being like, this is this is evidence of us kind of pushing our chips in. And I don't even know what that would be. So I'm trying to figure it out because RJ's still uh, waiting for the mail truck to pass and Bear to stop barking as he has his mic muted. Um, I don't know what it would be when you look at what they've done or, or like, you know, I guess they were rumored for deals like Earl Thomas and stuff over the years. They didn't make that. Maybe that was the best move for them anyway um, because of his aging and everything. But, you know, a player like that, if not specifically him, um, as I'm still waiting for RJ to come back. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm like, this is all I've got on this topic. So um, I want to thank the BTB listeners. So BLG and I record these on Tuesday um there's bear in the back on the our house is on the corner of the street and so like the like every day the mail truck just like this is i guess like their opportunity to like check their phone you know what i mean like after they drop off the mail because they're they're, like they're at a stop sign so it's like you know you could just move on you know thank you thank you for the service but um but anyway but so tuesday morning um i did two shows like i said uh i did the 750 and we're doing this show um and i was on dad duty and dog duty so there's been baby sounds and a dog in the background uh, for two shows for a BTB listener. So I appreciate you guys uh, for putting up with this. You know, it's just a hectic lifestyle sometimes that you got to leave BLG. You know, that's that's how it is. But all right, Bear, we are safe. Thank you for your service to the house. But you and there's the baby. Um, we brought this up. I brought this up. Shout out to me on a, a roundtable that we did last week, Brandon. And I want your thoughts on it because you mentioned what's the big move. And the big move was, I think that's what you mentioned. There was chaos happening. Um mm-hmm is the big move was trading for Amari Cooper. And so this is the hypothetical right. though. So you you read, I assume, the report from Mike Florio that the Cowboys had a deal to trade for Anthony Davis in the early days of 2019, January of 2019. Did you, or not Anthony Davis, sorry, for Sean Payton, if not for Anthony Davis. Yeah, I was like, wait, what is, who is right. this? Um, okay. I couldn't think of who Anthony Davis was in the NFL. I was right. like, wait, who? So the, the story was, for anyone who didn't see, again, January 2019, uh, Cowboys had a deal in place reportedly according to Mike Florio to trade for Sean Payton but like it, it, the deal was set Gail Benson was on board thank you son you're fine uh, we'll get through this I promise it, life as a Cowboys fan is tough you got to brace yourself now uh, but Anthony Davis requested a trade for, away from the New Orleans Pelicans and because Gail Benson oversees both teams didn't want to send away two New Orleans legends and so that led to Sean Payton not being traded away um, now 
I don't know what the deal was. The, the details for that, you know, weren't revealed, but obviously there was some sort of compensation you, you would figure. Um, but this was January 2019, Brandon. So coming off of the Cowboys winning the NFC East, sweeping the Eagles, just to be, you know, factual for what it's worth, um, and winning the second game on the overtime game-winning touchdown catch by Amari Cooper, right? That was the Amari Cooper trade season, the blow-up season. He had the crazy year, whatever. I still find it amazing that he didn't hold out and demand a new contract after that year, but Anyway, if, if, if you're hypothetical with me, and, and some of our listeners already heard this, but whatever, say the compensation, I'm being hypothetical, but the compensation involved pre-Anthony Davis was a third-round pick, and New Orleans finally came back and said, you know what, we don't want the third-round pick because we're going to trade away Anthony Davis for our NBA team. It's not worth it, whatever. If the Cowboys had never traded for Amari Cooper, okay, so if they had never given up their 2019 first-round pick, they would have been bad in 2018. They would have lost the division. The Eagles might have repeated as division champs and broken the streak. Um, Nick Foles would have done better things. But, I mean, if the Cowboys had had that first-round pick, then maybe in those back-and-forths after the Anthony Davis thing pops up, they say, well, we'll give you our first-round pick. If you really, you know, if you really, know, To help you stomach this loss, we'll give you our first-round pick. And so if you could turn that, that first-round pick became Amari Cooper. But if you could hindsight make it Sean Payton, and now we would be entering year four of the Sean Payton era with the Cowboys, is that preferable for Dallas in your opinion? Or or was Amari Cooper that much worth it? Uh, I don't know. You did make a t-shirt once that said worth it first for Amari Cooper. So I know. sounds like you're questioning we, that now. We, we trolled you with it. It was awesome. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, though. It doesn't seem to be aging well. Um, Anthony Davis did play for the 49ers. Totally forgot about him. Uh, the left tackle, also of the same name, but not the guy you're referring to here. Um, I don't know. I, I tend to think coaching's kind of overrated in a lot of ways, and I think Sean McVay being in the Super Bowl kind of exemplifies that. Not entirely. I think Zach, I think Zach Taylor being in the Super Bowl exemplifies that more than Sean. Well, McVay. the matchup, yeah, of both. You you could really say. Um, so it's tough because I would say just get the talent. And you should be able to figure out something like Sean Payton shouldn't have to be like the one coach for the Cowboys that can find, you know what I mean? He's not like, I agree with that. like this, like the Holy grail, like, you know, no, like and, and it actually work like that. I'm upset. I wasted our time with my hypothetical, but to be fair, my head was in a crazy space with all the chaos happening around me because that is going to bother me so much next off season is, is the like, well, Sean Payton's here. Everything's fixed. Like, dude, like it, no, <laughs> it's this like, in, in the drought that the Cowboys have been in, he will have been the third Super Bowl winning head coach with a different team that they will have hired. If, obviously, you know, Peyton being the third, uh, Mike McCarthy currently, and Bill Parcells previously. So, like, at a certain point, like, what's the common denominator here? You know what I mean? You, you can bring in the, you know, you can resurrect the great careers of, you know, I don't know, Vince Lombardi and Bill Walsh and Chuck Nolan, and, you know, all these people and and Tom Landry even. And, and like at a certain point, it's not the coach to your point. Who is it? I mean, you know, I, I don't, I think it's ultimately like you have to put the blame. If you have to put it on one person, it's Jerry. And, and that's why like, you know, Jerry came out last week um, and did a surprise. Did you track this at all? Um, this is a few days in the rearview mirror now, almost a week ago, but did a surprise interview on 105 through the fan, the home of the Cowboys um, to say that he was keeping Dan Quinn. This was last Friday when there was still, you know, when the Eberflus news came out and then Nathaniel Hackett news came out and it was a really, you know, sometimes Jerry talks a lot without really saying anything. And I thought that's what this was, but Jerry Jones 
I'm, I'm not like fabricating or, you know, hyperbolizing or being silly in any way. He literally said that he purposefully, Brandon, left the future of Mike McCarthy in doubt. He, that he was purposefully vague about it when the season ended as a strategic ploy to keep Dan Quinn. That's what he said. So, like, Dan Quinn could be the head coach of the Cowboys? That, so, again, I mean, it's, I don't, I'm, this is not my logic. To be, I get it. <laughs> to, is, to be very is, clear. What, is, am I following it right there? Like, so that, he, like, he, he didn't, he didn't clarify that, but like, so that, like, what I just told you was how he left it. But the, the mo, the only way you can like connect these dots <laughs> that, that he dropped is to say that Jerry wanted the impression to be to other would be teams, uh, or at least, or to Quinn to be. Hey, you don't take that job because you might get this one when we fire him. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but but come back and work for him. You know what I mean? Did like, Mike McCarthy it, know this? Like, too? Was uh, he in uh, the loop on uh, this? Uh, or was Jerry it? McCarthy was all in the loop. I wrote about okay. this. I'll send you the article. But um, I mean, it and and then and in the same interview, he talks he was about okay with it? <laughs> in the same interview, Brandon. In the same interview, he talks about Kellen Moore, who he says he wants back after like saying that McCarthy's going to be back. So he, he explains the logic of, I purposefully, you know, was vague about McCarthy as a strategic element to keep Dan Quinn around. Kellen Moore, though, he's got an interview with the Miami Dolphins next week. So like, do you not want to keep Kellen around? <laughs> like, Clearly, if, if, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, and that's where we're at. That's where we're at. We're, the, like, the chaos in my house today is much, is like, is harmony compared to what the Cowboys are right now. So hmm. It is what it is. Um, we um we did it. We we did it. PLG. I did it. Really. Shout out to me. I mean, I got a dog and a baby in here and an empty stomach. I need to eat some lunch. Yeah, I don't know about you. Do you think Rafa is the goat on this? I don't. I have only recently come to tennis. Um, mm. have you been like watching it like your whole life? Is that what you're at here? I never really played. Um, see, I played tennis. I, sh- I should have played because I'm you know really tall. And I was told that I would have really good, you know, leverage and whatnot. Um, six foot nine for the listeners who don't know. And uh, the guy that uh, Roth beat in the final, uh, uh, Medvedev, he's like six six. He's pretty, he looks pretty tall out there. But I did you watch this live? Do you stay up and watch it live or get up early? So I actually was up late on Saturday, and I was like, "What do I do here? Do I go to bed and wake up in like a couple hours, or do I just stay up?" So I stayed up to like 4.30. I watched like the first hour of the match. I saw Nadal get down, and I was like, if he's going to lose, because I'm a big Roth fan, like I can't, I just can't stay up to like 8 in the morning wow. or whatever. And then also, I have to be up for like, to watch the championship games and everything. So I went to bed, but then I ended up waking up around 8, and I thought I was going to wake up to see uh, a Nadal loss. But sure enough, I checked my phone, and the match was still going on. They're in the fifth set, and I was like, what? So I turned it on. And I think it was even at that point. Um, and I watched Nadal complete the comeback and win and give himself 21 Grand Slam titles compared to the next close, next closest people, uh, Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic, who are at 20. So to me, you know, 21 greater than 20, I have to say. Um, so yeah, he is. Yeah, like I said, I've I've recently come to enjoying tennis, so I don't I don't have a hard take on this. Um, I'm I'll agree with you if you want. Um, but I I love. Who's your favorite? 
I don't have a favorite yet. Like I, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm I've like I've gotten a little bit deeper into it, and by that I mean like I started to follow like more legitimate tennis accounts on Instagram like over the last year. Like that's where I'm at. Uh, thinking about getting Mario tennis. You know what I mean? Just to really kind of get involved. Um, Good game. But um, but yeah, I mean, so like you know, I'm fine. You know whoever i need i need you know i need to understand the surfaces and stuff like I, I i need more time but for now let's go rafa like i'm i'm with you our guy did it we believe i don't like you agreeing with me on this i don't endorse <laughs> this um did you get no, the new pokemon guy. by the way um i did not did you same I, i've heard good things but i have not i'm not on it yet so we're still re- we're still recording because it kind of feels like we for both forgot that but do you have a nintendo switch I didn't forget huh do i have any what a nintendo switch yeah i do Okay, so this is another thing for the mixtape. If you have a Nintendo Switch, how are we not like friends on there? By the way, um, I haven't played it in a while. It's just been a while. You know, I mean, we're both, yeah. Okay, look. The point is, we'll get we'll get on board with that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, are you planning on getting the new Pokemon um, at some point? I'm hearing good things. I kind of have to look into it a little bit more, but it, probably it looks, yes at some point. Yeah, same here. At some point, it looks so like. Um, like I don't have the time to commit to that yet. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like if I'm gonna do right. it, like I, I want to be all in. Um, and right. so I I will say I recently because I I got the switch from my birthday and our birthdays are obviously very close. I recently got Super Smash Brothers for the switch, mm. and I had not played a Super Smash um, like seriously since Melee on the GameCube. Wow! And ho- holy crap! Like it's just different. It's just different. It's a different world. Um, so w- if you're a Nintendo Switch fan whatever wherever you're listening you want to hit us up on twitter at brandon gotten on twitter at rj ochoa we could be switch friends we can be switch teammates maybe you have super smash blg i don't well i you have can get it Party. and then the new one i need to get the new one i have the first one which you couldn't even play online which i was like this what is this like obviously yeah, i want to get mario party so i can play it online I've, I've, but i've heard now the new one does okay. so i guess i have to get that get the new one and that this is what we'll do this is the actual call to action NFC East mixtape Mario Party session. All right, wow. dibs on Yoshi. Um, and what? Um, that's my character. You can't do this. No, it's, no, dude. No, I, I don't oh like this. Gosh. I don't like as we've become better friends, learning that we are kind of the same person in a lot of ways. No, so, disagree. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, get the new Mario. It's Mario Party. I have it's Superstars. Is that what it's called? I think it's called Mario Party know. Superstars. Um, but you can actually but, go to Nintendo.com and use discount code uh, NFC <laughs> for 20% off. No, you can't. Just a joke. Not a sponsor. Uh, okay. Let us know your Nintendo Switch things, people, wherever you're listening or if you're watching on YouTube. Um, we, but big shout out to the YouTube audience. Uh, appreciate you joining us for the first episode and putting up with this second episode, this crazy one. Uh, so, yeah. Brandon, uh, the last... The last 8 million words belong to you. Make them great. Rafael Nadal is great.